0: My name's Chris Lane, good to see you. Welcome, and uh, I, I believe we have uh, some members from House Church, do we? Have, just go yay if you're from, yay! Right, now these guys are very soon to be uh, coming official Vineyard people, so if you're next to them, would you give them a big sloppy kiss, all right? <laughs> welcome in the fat or not? Okay, nobody seems to wanna to do that, fair enough. Good to have you guys here. We're excited about that, truthfully, and in fact, Rick invited, Rick and Zoe invited us and myself over on the 20th. We're absolutely gutted that we can't come. Uh, we have our previous engagement, but we'll be praying for you guys, and it's really good to have you, and welcome to the family. you know. Okay, let's pray, and we'll get straight into God's word for today. Father, we want to say thank you to you for all that you are teaching us, and thank you, Lord God, that you put us in families, and thank you, Lord God, that that you are doing something in this day and this age that, that you have planned since the very, before the very birth of time. And we pray that today, this moment, this preach even, would just be right in the very center of what you want to say. Right in the very center of what you have to communicate. And whether it encourages and comforts, or whether it challenges and even unsettles, Lord God, I pray, that every word would be effective and bear fruit in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Okay, well this uh, holiday season, we are doing a little mini-series, I guess you can call it that, called The Apostles, Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. And the trouble with coming sort of fairly late in the season is that you're beginning to sort of scrabble around, wondering who you can uh, you know, talk about. Uh, and, uh, you know, Wendy Howson, bless her, there she is, I see her here this morning, she's preaching next week and she was very clever because quite early on when she knew she was going to be preaching next week, she says, I want to do James! And so we got right in and I can't wait to hear that message, but uh, she's, she's a smart lady, you have to watch watch her, you know, because she was right off the mark there. So when, I, it, when it came to me preparing for this talk, I thought, who should I talk about? And, you know, dear old Richard yesterday, if you, uh, last week rather, if you heard him speak on Judas, did an absolutely fantastic job. And if you caught it, you will know that I speak the truth. If you didn't, well, check it out on the podcast because that was a great word, it really was. So today, I'm gonna to speak on Matthias. Oh, <laughs> yes, and a lot of blank faces. Who, Matthias. And uh, who can tell me, to earn a little brownie point, whatever that means, where we hear of Matthias? What did he do? Same as Matthew, no. Actually I heard a little whisper, he took Judas's place. Matthias was one of, the. Was, he was the substitute. And we'll read that story a little bit later if you don't know what they mean by that. You'll hear about that in just a moment. But Matthias who? You know, this is one of the apostles. And actually, Matthias, uh, if you get a concordance and you type in Matthias, you'll hear his name mentioned in in Acts chapter one, we'll read it in just a moment, but nowhere else. So what else is there to say about him? We don't know much about him. We know one or two little things. But I have a question that I wanna begin uh, by posing, and that is, what's in a name? Matthias who? This is one of the apostles we're talking about, and we don't know anything about him. Well, there's nothing in the Bible about him, really, or very little. What's in a name? Well, actually, it seems that a name is very important. In fact, a name is very important to God. Jesus, God the Father through the prophet says, I know you by name. Yeah, I know you by name. I I, I know the very number of Hairs on your head, or lack of them, if, if you're struggling with that. But he knows you by name, and actually, in in this world, in this day, even in contemporary society, names are important. Uh, Richard and I have had the privilege of attending the National Prayer Breakfast the last few years. Not this year, because of the general election, it fell at the same sort of time. But when you get invited to the House of Commons for the National Prayer Breakfast, and it's such a privilege, and you can't, it's not one of those things you can apply to, and you can't buy tickets on the black market or anything, you just get invited. And why you get chosen, I do not know, but both Richard and I have been invited. And when you go up to the Houses of Parliament, for that great prayer breakfast. Last time we went up, there was, the Archbishop of Canterbury was speaking and David Cameron was there and Ed Miliband and all the, most of the cabinet were there. It was, uh, you know, lords and ladies. I, I sat at a table with a couple of lords and ladies. It's an incredible thing, but as you approach the security, uh, you know, the dreaded security thing, they're checking names off, I, I, and I just thought, oh my gosh, I hope my name's on that list. Because there's about 150 people queuing up behind you, and you know, you're, you're, you're all in your, your best suit, you know. And the worst possible thing I could imagine at that point would be the police officer going, uh, Chris Lane, um, uh, I, 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 I'll, I'll find it in a minute, hang on. I'm sorry, it's not on the list. You can't come in. And I couldn't imagine anything worse than having to turn around and weave my way back up that 150 people, saying, excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, been some mistake, you know. A name is very important. Names are important. And actually, it seems as if names are important in heaven. Let's read a little story here, which always makes me smile. And it's a story about the sons of Sceva. The sons of Sceva, what a name. Well, you'll find out a bit more about them in just a moment. Acts chapter 9, it'll go up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you, but turn up to it in your smart device or in your Bible if you have it, and we'll just read about the sons of Sceva, where a name proves to be extremely important. So Acts 19 beginning at verse 13 says this. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Now seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. and One day the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, hmm. Paul I know about but who the heck are you oops then the man jumped the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding my gosh so these guys who were earning a bit of pin money a bit of pocket money a little bit of a thing on the side casting out demons were going around with this magic formula in the name of Jesus, whom that guy Paul preaches. Get out, and it suddenly backfired. It blew up in their face. It was as if the demon checked the list. Hang on a minute, Jesus, Paul, yeah, yeah. Skeever, Who the heck are you? And suddenly it was as if that that which is in the heavenly places, which truthfully is the, the true reality. That which was there broke in and out upon these guys. It's interesting. Those of you who like to do a little bit of a Bible challenge or a little bit of study behind the scenes, as it were, you might like to do a study on the heavenly places. Paul, in particular, has a whole theology and has an, a whole insight. It's as if he's all, he walks through this life living in, you know, doing all the things that one needs to do. He preaches and he teaches and he casts out demons and he heals people and he plants churches. But he also does his day job as a tent maker, does all of this stuff. But it's as if Paul is distracted by what he sees as the real world. The, this is just a passing phase. He is distracted by what he calls the heavenly places. And he frequently talks about the blessings that are held for us. You know, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly realms. That's what he says, what a wonderful promise that is. And, and so you might do a little study about the heavenly places. It seems that the early Christians were all kind of distracted by this other reality which they saw as much realer. And in fact, as my life has progressed, I'm beginning to find myself seeing more and more of that and being distracted, as it were, by those things that are currently unseen, but will be seen. And here, these sons of Sceva, they think they can earn a bit of money casting out demons and they they enter into a place and put them at a risk, themselves at a risk that they do not understand, much less know. Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who the heck are you? And with that the demon sets about them. So what's in a name? It seems that a name is very important, very important indeed. So here we have Matthias who we seem to know so little about. Let's, let's read about his appointment and just to give you a little bit of background here. What's happened at this point in time, we're gonna read out of Acts chapter one, beginning at uh, verse um, uh, 15. At this point in time, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has died on the cross for the sins of the world. Yes, my sin and your sin. He has risen from the dead. He's hung out with the apostles and the disciples and their, their close associates for some time. But he's now ascended, as he must do, into heaven to be with the Father and to wait until that glorious day when he'll come again and make all things new. But at this point in time, Peter and the disciples are doing exactly what Jesus said to them. As Jesus was about to ascend into heaven, go back to his Father, Jesus said to them, go into Jerusalem, go into the city, hang out together and just wait. Wait until I send you power from on high. So the Holy Spirit was yet to be given. That's the next chapter. So at this point, they're there together, they're praying together, they're kind of wondering when and what's gonna happen in the very near future. And Peter, who has been reinstated as the leader of the, the apostles, remember he denied Jesus, he was absolutely crushed. I think that's the appropriate word. He was absolutely crushed, he was devastated understood it only too well, his own duplicity. I'll never forsake you, I'll never deny you. Peter, believe me, Jesus said, you will deny me, and he did, three times. He was crushed, but then Jesus reinstated him on on the Sea of Galilee, on on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, he was reinstated. So Peter now gets up and he says this, verse 15, I think. Yeah, is that right? Yes, 15. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So there were a fair few more than the disciples there. And said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. But still he betrayed him. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, there he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, Acheldama, that means, means field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, brothers and sisters, said Peter, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us, the ascension. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. I just want to pause there for a moment. There's a lot of... Interest and discussion these days about apostles not just the 12 that we're referring to or the 13 if you will but actually there is among some moves and movements a a kind of a a rediscovery of the role of apostle now I have no problem whatsoever with the function of apostle within the church some of you are going to be looking at me thinking what is he talking about but others you need to hear this An apostle is one who governs, an apostle is one who church plants, or one one who oversees, one who encourages us in our mission, encourages us overseeing the pastoral work and develops movements. And there's quite a few today people who claim that function. I have no problem with that. What I do have a problem with, and it's important, and I've wanted to say this for some time, is that there is a trend in some streams that the apostles are beginning to, I won't say reinterpret scripture, but they're beginning to add to. And they'll say things like, oh, we we totally agree with this, but actually there's a lot more, and besides, I'm an apostle, so I'm gonna tell you what the what's more is. And there's quite a few things creeping into the church that are beginning to, concern some people, including myself. So I want to say to you, if ever if ever anybody comes to you claiming to be an apostle, okay. Ask them this. How many people are you ever seeing? How many churches are you planting? You know, what what, what mission are you furthering? You know, etc, etc, etc. But if they start saying to you, yes, well, you know, the Bible's all very well, but quite frankly, in the 21st century, it doesn't go far enough, but what I think God is saying, and what we should be doing, and, and they put forward stuff that they would have you believe is on a par with scripture. That, I have a problem with. So, many of you, I'm afraid, I'm sorry to waste your time, many of you will just go, what? But for some of you, you need to hear this. I'm not, I'm not claiming to be an apostle myself, but uh, that is a concern. So. What was the necessary criteria for the apostles that Peter identified? It was this, that the true apostles had been there when John baptized and had been there all that time with them and until Jesus rose and ascended into heaven. They were witnesses to the resurrection. That's the absolute key of who or what an apostle in a biblical sense is. One who witnesses the resurrection. And in this of course, those of you who know your Bibles a little bit, Paul always had a bit of a struggle because he wasn't one of the 12 and yet he's the apostle Paul. He had an encounter with the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And interestingly enough, I mean, many people might say to you, I've had an encounter, like Paul. But the truth of the matter is the early church accepted Paul's testimony. I was about my business, which was persecuting the church, but I had an encounter, an encounter with the Lord Jesus. I saw the risen Lord. And the early church authenticated that. So. These apostles were witnesses to the resurrection. They had been there from the very beginning. So what? So what's that got to do with Matthias? Well, let's read the little... Rest of the story and finish that. Verse 23, carrying on where I left off. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. What do we know about Matthias? Well, tradition has it, tradition has it, that bless his heart, he went on to be a church planter, missionary, evangelist, church overseer in modern day, what we would call modern day Georgia, part of the old sort of Russian block. And actually, tradition has it, we don't know for certain, but the tradition is recorded in three different places, so I think we can say it's probably true. He was stoned for his troubles, dying around about AD 80. So he died as a master. That's more or less all we know. But actually as we look at the text, as we consider God's word, we might reasonably deduce one or two other things. And I wanna say this to you, I believe I think it's reasonable to believe that he was one of the 72. Now, just put your hand up if you know what I mean by that, one of the 72. Okay, about a third of you, that's fine. So in Luke's Gospel, and Luke wrote Acts as well, interestingly enough, in Luke's Gospel, in chapter nine, there's this morning where Jesus gets up and the disciples get up, and they come to him saying, what's on the agenda today, what, do you, what are you gonna do? And Jesus terrifies them, I believe, because he says, you know what, I'm gonna hang out here. You guys, I want you to go two by two into all the towns and villages that I'm gonna go and I want you to preach the kingdom of God is near and heal the sick and cast out demons and all the rest of And they what? Excuse me, that's what you do. We just do crowd control and we just do packed lunches and all this kind of stuff. You want us to go and do what you do? And he said, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, they go off and they come back rejoicing because they begin to see that the kingdom of God is wherever the people of God is, wherever Jesus is, the people of God, there is the kingdom of God. You know, I've been reading just recently, I've been reading through some of the ancient texts, in you know, Samuel, and I'm into Kings now, and I'm reading just about Solomon's temple and how Solomon built this magnificent temple for God in ancient Israel, in Jerusalem. And it must have been magnificent. You know, I was really trying to read it slowly and consider what it was like. In in the holy place, and on into the Holy of Holies, which was the very heart of this new temple, everything, floors, ceilings, walls, were covered in gold, gold leaf. It was staggering. And then in the, the place that was to become the Holy of Holies, which when they commissioned it, only one priest went in once a year. We talked about this, talked about this recently. There were these two huge, great big uh, cedarwood uh, cherubim, all covered in gold. And their wingspan was such that the tip of one wing touched the wall, the, the, the tip of the other touched the, the other of the two cherubim, and they spanned the whole place all in gold, about 15 foot high and their, their wings arched over the altar in there which was covered in gold. It must have been staggering. And when Solomon, bless his heart, dedicated the temple, he said, yeah, we've done the best we can. In so many words, I'm paraphrasing. We've done the very best we knew how. But will God really live among men? Well, you've said you will place your name here. But God is a God who lives in heaven. And thank you, Lord God, for your blessing upon Israel. A staggering thing. Even Solomon knew that God, although he may attend that place in a particular and peculiar and extraordinary way, he knew that God could not be contained in a temple such as that was. But God came and visited. The power and presence of God came down. But what we've come to realize, what the church of Jesus Christ has come to realize, is that now God does live in no temple, but he does in a remarkable way live with and in and through his people. God is not just with us. God has not just placed his name over us, but God by his spirit dwells within us. It's an extraordinary, awesome, mind-boggling privilege. So anyway, the 72, after the apostles returned with great reports of a fantastic ministry trip, well then after that, Jesus, it says in the text, sent out 72, let's let's look at that. Luke chapter 10 verses uh, one to 12, we'll just read that. After this, sending out of the apostles, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, wherefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. There is some urgency here. Just go, folks. And when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And if someone promotes, who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, stay there eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. There is a sense of urgency. And then he gives them instructions. Almost identical to the instructions he gave to the the 12, the disciples, the 72. Get the same instructions. Verse eight, when you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near, and I tell you it will be more bearable, says Jesus on that day for Sodom than for that town. Where people receive you with joy, leave your blessing, leave your peace. Where they don't receive you, don't hang about, don't sweat it, just go. But know this, there will be a day of reckoning for those people. Now the 72, they were, you know, just like the apostles as ordinary men and women. And yet suddenly, they're propelled into the front line of what Jesus is doing. This is before the Holy Spirit is sent upon Pentecost to empower us all. This is just a day in the life of Jesus and his followers. And they are sent out in his name. And I bet there was a a lot of anxiety and anxious, you know, twittering as they received these instructions. And they went saying to one another, I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, my gosh. But it goes on. Verse 17 says this. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. To which Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nothing will harm you in the life to come. It's not written there in the book. Forgive me for adding that. Please don't stone me or burn me at the stake. It goes on. 20, however... Do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, "I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, the clever, the proud." and reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. You see, when they went out, unlike the sons of Sceva, when they went out, they found, they didn't realize it at the time, but they found that their names were written in heaven. Their names were written in heaven. Matthias, you know, I am pretty sure it's safe to say that he was one of those. Probably Justice too, probably jo- Joseph Justus, the other contender for the title apostle in Acts 1. They were probably part of this crowd, they probably went out, but we'll never know until we get to glory and can ask him. But the truth of the matter is this, that, that actually what they found on that day was not that they had exactly the right training they need or exactly the right tools they need, or just exactly the right credentials, letters of authority that they need, what they found that day was that their names were written in heaven. You see, Matthias may not be known. There may not be too many monuments to Matthias. There are a few churches around called St. Matthias. If you go into the great cathedrals in this land and there's a stained glass window up there and you see a saintly looking character and he's carrying an ax, you'll be able to win a, you'll be able to sort of impress your friends and neighbors and the kids maybe by saying, oh, that's St. Matthias, if he's carrying that ax, because St. Matthias is a patron saint of carpenters, looking at Joe back there, and alcoholics. I don't know whether there's a connection there. In fact, the idea of an alcoholic wielding an ax fills me with terror, but uh, that's neither here nor there. If you see a saintly figure in a stained glass window carrying an axe, that'll be St. Matthias. But we really know very little about him. But frankly, you know, it doesn't matter if there's a monument to him. It doesn't matter if there's a monument to you. It really doesn't. What matters is, is your name written in heaven? Are you known in the heavenly places? If you were to be arrested as a Christian, God forbid, is there enough evidence to convict you? Oh no, no, don't bother with him, he's just a nice guy. What damning praise. Ah, oh, your name's written in heaven. I want to say to you, if, if that's a question that, that might haunt you a little, I want to say peace be with you, peace be with you. Here's an opportunity to pray with me in just a moment, and say, Lord, I've been kicking back a bit. I've, been, I've, I've settled for nice. Oh Lord God, give me the grace to stand up and be counted as a follower of Jesus, to attempt things confident that you are perfect in all your ways, and a good, good father, always. Or maybe, maybe, this is total news to you. Maybe you got brought here, you're visiting because you're being polite to some friends or relatives because they go to church on the Sunday and you're just visiting for the weekend. I'm not, I don't know of anybody, I, I don't know, I haven't got anybody in mind, I've not been asked by somebody to try and wheedle this into the sermon, but maybe, maybe you're here this weekend by seemingly accident. I want to say to you, I want to say to you, God bless you, it's not an accident that you're here. I want to say this to you. That the way we ensure our name is written in the book of life is by coming to Jesus and asking for life. We come to him and we say, Lord God, I've sinned. Lord God, I am less than even I want to be. Lord God, forgive me. Jesus, save me. Holy Spirit, help me. Words to that effect. It's really just a surrender to God, asking forgiveness and for help. And the scripture tells us that as we do that, as we surrender our lives to him, and as we receive this free gift of life, our names are written in the book of life. And it's my hope and prayer that you make good advantage of that. That you don't just kick back and say, oh gosh, I'm glad that's resolved. I'm glad the name's in the book of life. With that come awesome privileges awesome privileges. In his name you can dare to attempt great things for God. And as I said, even though they may not erect a monument to your name, just like Matthias apparently disappears into obscurity, although we can't be sure and suspect not. The truth of the matter is, when you die, And when you're welcomed into the heavenly places, you'll be embraced, greeted, and welcomed as a hero. Amen, amen. Let's have the worship team back up. Why don't we just stand, I'm gonna pray. Heavenly Father, I just wanna say thank you to you. Thank you, Jesus, that those unsuspecting 72 were very like us, found that there was something in being with you, knowing you, walking and living with you, that meant that those beings, those creatures that are in that unseen world recognized and knew them as princes and princesses in the kingdom of God, men and women of awesome authority. We pray, Lord God, that everyone here in Earshot, all those listening on the podcasts and videocasts, might resolve that even today. That, Lord God, they would be welcomed into the heavenly place as heroes whose names are known. So thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen.